Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a compulsive overeater from Connecticut, recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 29th, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 51. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with this world of ours and ends with for his astronomical heresies. Today's readers are Nancy T., Carol R., Katie G., Leon B., and Becca R. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, August 28, 2019, are 13,328 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 13328 and 13,329 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 13329. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy T. to read the OA 12 Steps. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. The 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood them. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy T. I will now ask Carol R. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Carol R., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Virginia. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Ovaries Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Ovaries Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I'll pass. Thank you, Carol R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Any, anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in chapter four, We Agnostics on page 51. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph which begins with this world of ours and ends with for his astronomical heresies. I will now ask Katie G. to go ahead and read that for us. 
Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, fellows. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in Boston. This world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. Yet, in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstitions, traditions, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought around Earth preposterous. Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. So in looking at this example, I can see, yeah, like Columbus knew that Columbus discovered this round earth and Galileo was, you know, condemned by the Catholic Church for discovering that the earth and the planets, you know, revolve around the sun. And, and I can see that that's, that's crazy thinking, right? They, um, and that they were intelligent but they didn't ask questions um, and they were fettered. So what does fettered mean? Chained and shackled and blocked. What were they blocked by? Superstition, so belief or practice resulting from ignorance. Tradition, hey dude, this is what I've always done, it's not possible. And fixed ideas, which is a preoccupation that makes me un, not open to change. So why is this story, why are we doing this? Why are you telling me that they're not, that like, duh, they're not open to change. Well, KDG, where are you not open to change? Where are you saying, you're, where are you the I know guy? The most powerful thing, and I know I share this all the time, but it boggles my mind. The problem is not what I know. Excuse me, I said it wrong. The problem is not what I don't know. See, I even confuse myself. It's what I think I know. I think I know what entire abstinence is. I think I know that I need to put down X, Y, and Z, but don't make me put down that. I think I know what a sponsor should look like. I think I know what a sponsor should tell me. And where did that get me? Relapse. Where did that get me? A lot of pain in this program, right? And so, so today, KDG, like, where do you, where are you getting blocked? Where are you saying, you know, I mean, I'm the only, this disease, I'm laying in the ground, right? I'm dying from food addiction, and I'm still the I know guy, right? And that blocks me, and that blockage is from God and from a freedom that is as profoundly sad in this universe as these huge discoveries. Who am I, KDG, to say there is no God? Who and, and as a recovered woman today, where am I blocked? What are the old ideas that are are fettering my mind? The tradition saying, oh, well, God only exists if he does this. Well, my um, I'm only okay if my mother acts this way, if my child acts this way. Well, it, and, and is there a God, Katie, that can take you deeper in every area of your life? Or are you saying, you know what, that's enough, God, I got this. And those kind, that kind of thinking, that old idea, 
is profoundly sad because it blocks me from God. And the only way for me to get to God is to continue to practice entire abstinence and these steps because the entire purpose, I'll wrap up with this, of these steps is to uncover, discover, and discard that the main problem of my disease is my thinking. Run away from that thinking. It will, it will bring you nothing but misery. But thank you, God, as a recovered woman, God can bring me just joy. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie G. If you haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 51 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute and say your first name and last initial. Kim G. Kim G. Anyone else? Don't be intimidated by Katie's awesome share. Sandy S. Cynthia T. Cynthia T. Shannon D. Shannon D. Nancy P. Nancy P. Amy G. Amy G. Why don't we go with that? Okay, here's who I have. Kim G, Sandy S, Cynthia P, Shannon D, Nancy P, and Amy G. Kim G, please go ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I recovered compulsive reader since 2011. And I love that word fetter that, that um, Katie drilled down on. So I'm going to drill down more on that word. The definition I found was that it's something that confines or restrains. And, and the origin of it was actually the Old West, when at night when they had their horses there, they would put some loose, loose um, rope around the, the, the horse's legs so that it would be fettered and not be able to run away. You know, I often picture that movie, The Green Mile, where the convicted um, convict would have his legs shackled and his arms shackled so when he walked, he would not, you know, he would be confined and not run away. So they're asking, what am I fettered by? You know, step two, this chapter of the agnostics, is not trying to convince us there is a God. What it's trying to convince us is our need for God. You know, we talked yesterday about leaving aside the drink question, why is living so unsatisfactory? Well, leaving aside the drink question is because at this point we're abstinent, right? If we're abstinent, why are we still miserable? So what is fettering me? I like to look at some of my own prejudices in Overeaters Anonymous. Big one being food and weight was my problem. I have to tell you that I didn't come into OA at my top weight. I was diagnosed morbidly obese at 23. I was taught bulimia in college, so I used that bulimia to get down to a size 14, and I was terrified because I was still frightened that all my problems would go away just because I was down to a reasonable size. And that's when I came into Overeaters Anonymous because I was terrified. You know, the idea that service is swimming, Nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. Meeting makers make it. These are all, all sayings that if you're not, a, if you're not part of the, the 10% that part of the doctor's opinion tells us about, you know, abstinence is, is being free theology is great unless you're a real compulsive reader. You know, I'm just going to talk about a, a prejudice of mine. I, I grew up in Catholic schools, and I don't think this is unique to Catholics or Christians or 
or any other religion, but there's this idea of the chosen people. And I remember this girl in college, she belonged to a religion that not only did you have to be her religion, but there was only 10,000 people in her religion that could get to heaven. There was this competition even among their religion. And I think back to Bill and Dr. Silkworth. I don't think that Dr. Silkworth told, only told Bill about the allergy of the body and the mental obsession. I think Bill was the first person, in my opinion, who took action on that information. So I think to myself, there's 400 people listening on this line, there's thousands of listening to the recording. We are all chosen. The question is, what are we going to do with that information? So in step two, we're being asked, are you going to be willing to let go of those things that fetter you? Are you going to admit defeat? Are you going to admit that you need a power greater than yourself? And when you come to that conclusion or unfettered, on to step three. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Sandy S. Hi, Sandy S. from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, you know, I think about what are the fetters that keep me imprisoned. And for me, it's this chronic thought, two chronic thoughts. <laughs> One of them is that there's no God that really cares about me, so I must be God, and um, I've got to work like the devil. And uh, it's very hard for me to let go of this belief. But what, what counts is not the belief so much is the action. And hopefully, you know, after 43 years of, I am recovered for 43 years due to a spiritual experience, I have worked the steps as best as I can, but I can't force a psychic transformation. What I need to do is appreciate the psychic transformations that have occurred. And the first one that has occurred for me is entire abstinence and knowing that food cannot change my inner being so that it's happy and at ease. And um, the next thing is the other old idea that I need to let go of besides there's not a caring God is that I'm not enough. I mean, this is, this is a huge, um, you know, delusion that I've lived under. So I think just with those two things that if, you know, I know there will be a day that I will have entire trust that there is a higher power that cares about me. There's been lots of evidence. And I know that one day, you know, I will know that I am enough. And what counts is the little actions I'm going to take today. And the first action is being absolutely honest about what my experience is. It's kind of embarrassing to have worked the program the best I can and still have doubts about a caring God and still have doubts about myself. But I don't let that thinking hold me back. That's not going to fetter me. I'm going to just ask God for the next right action and do it. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Sandy S. Cynthia P. Good morning. It's Cynthia C. from Massachusetts. Oh, sorry. Cynthia C. That's, that's okay. I'm just cleaning my feet this morning. I have been um, around these rooms for many years and been listening to A Vision for You, I think, since 2014, and have been in and out of food and relapse since then. Um, 
recently, since the end of May, abstinent again, and reworked the steps. And now what I really realized this time is that I have no choice but to do the latter steps, and that means sharing what I what I what God sends me to share, and sharing it with others, and working with others. So, um, really, these this is not me. This thinking, these little little experiences. So I'm powerless over most things in my life. My life is unmanageable. God can restore me, and I'm because I'm doing this work and and willing to work in the latter steps. I'm beginning to see glimpses of this power, and they're little, and they're amazing. They're little, little, though, and I think, wow, where did that come from? But really, I just wanted to um, get my name out there and um, start sharing on this meeting because I, you know, I've been listening for years and really have not maybe shared a pocket full of times in, what, five years? So um, thank you all for, for everything you share. It's and I need to be here. I need you, and I need to share this message with others. So, um, thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Cynthia C. Shannon D. Hey, good morning. This is Shannon, a compulsive eater in North Carolina. And let me see. Thank you, everybody, for being here. I've been listening to this call for about a week, and it really is helping me. Um, see things a little bit differently. And today's paragraph made me think of that the, the heresies that I thought I heard when I first heard about entire abstinence on these special editions. I mean, when those ideas of a of a whole world, a round world, or a, a solar-centric universe were presented to me in the forms of weighing and measuring my food, that that was a heresy. That sound that sounded crazy to me to have to measure out broccoli especially, things like that. And um and I clung on to my lurking notions that there was a gentler, softer way on and off for months. And every time I would slip I would have to go back to the doctor's opinion and start over. And it it happened again recently but I can say today that since I've been listening to the call on Monday, I've had more willingness to just do exactly as I'm told and to, to do that weighing and measuring and reporting really honestly. And it does seem to make a difference, not just in how I feel about my food. That's just the start. It makes a difference in how I feel about my day. Um, because I think all my little ways that I was fettered to wanting to believe my world was flat and that I could eat three meals a day with nothing in between and that I could sort of cheat and wiggle here and there, those things were keeping me trapped and fettered to um, a dishonest life. And I'll end with saying, I think, you know, my motto my whole life was like, follow your heart, do whatever you want. And that's what I did at the expense of everybody around me for decades. So I think for a girl like me or a woman like me, this is the kind of discipline that is required for me to get right with God, if you will. And it says in the book, 
You know, we alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us. So I have to sort of lean on the greats and the Galileos and Columbuses of this program and um, and have faith that that you all are doing what you say you're doing because there are times when it's hard for me to believe, but now I have a couple days where I can say it is possible. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Shannon D. Nancy P. Hi, this is Nancy P. Um, in Boston. Thanks for letting me share. So um, heresies are um, ways of thinking that go against conventional thinking. You know, the church um, dictated what everybody thought, what everybody should think, and, you know, poor Galileo. So with compulsive reading. Um, you know, I had my own conventional thinking to, to, you know, then become heretical to. And so I was sort of fighting myself. You know, I had, I had all the fixed ideas and the superstitions and the traditions, and it was mostly all that was made up and defined by I would go to meetings and I would see, you know, other people so happy. I don't know if they were recovered or not, but they were thin and, and seemed happy. And, um, you know, and I just thought, I've, I'll do what they do. And they said that they did all these things, like with the, what Kim was saying. You know, they went to a lot of meetings. They weighed and measured, measured without exception. They got on their knees every day. Well, none of that was working for me. And, um, and I just thought I was totally broken. But really what I was, was I was stuck. And once I realized that, um, you know, once I was so in such pain, that I, I had to stop and think about, you know, I ripped up everything I knew that I thought I knew. I tore it all up and threw it away. And I began from the beginning. And because my whole life, I wanted to be places. I didn't want to get there. I just wanted to be there. I didn't understand if I wanted, if I had a certain thing that I wanted to become better at. I didn't understand that the people that were better at it spent years practicing or spent a lot of time practicing they got there they took the trip they trudged the road of happy destiny and I just wanted to be at the end you know with a sparkle on my tooth like ding you know I wanted to be so you know just done I didn't want to do the work and um you know once I really you know and they talk about that in, in the book they say it's, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place like the idea of giving up eating or living on spiritual principles is a hard choice to make and I sat there like you know like a dog with two bones I didn't know which one to take and I sat there in in that state for for decades and and once I once I realized that it was my own prejudices and my own heresies that I had to I had to shed and I and I had to stop and start at the beginning I don't know show me what to do um then I got better and um you know that Slowing down and taking things, you know, just like what they said, there's no mystery here. Doing it step by step, one thing at a time, brought me to surrender. And that, once I surrendered, I got better fast. There's no, I said this to a sponsor the other night, there's no secret handshake or secret knock or special ritual that you have to do. You've got to read this book and do what it says in order the way that they say. And if you do that, thanks, I'll wrap up. Um, if you do what they say, then you get what they promise. And if you don't, you won't. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy P. Amy G. 
Good morning. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everyone, for a wonderful meeting. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon here. You know, this whole idea of, of heresies or heretics, when I think about Overeaters Anonymous, when I first came into my into OA, everything about it seemed heretical to me because, you know, I bought the myth that the world sold me about dieting and that thin was well and that if I just had the right amount of control or the right diet because the food was the problem, that somehow I was going to be better and my world was in some sort of fantasy going to be just wonderful. And I come into Overeaters Anonymous and I realize that, I had this old idea. I mean, talk about fixed ideas. I had this old idea that food was the problem. And it turns out food was my answer to my problems of living my life and that I was fettered more than anything, more than anything by my mind and my thinking. The big book talks, talks about it. It says, you know, the problem centers in our mind. And because of my mental obsession, I could not think clearly. Therefore, I could not act clearly or behave clearly when it came to my food. My mind was a liability. And I love everyone sharing their old ideas of things that they, they thought that they thought was going to help them. And I had the same thing. Um, life was supposed to be fair. Knowledge and willpower will fix it. Control. I must control my world. I must control my food. And here is OA saying to me, no, surrender. Admit powerlessness. Find a power greater than yourself. These seem things that were beyond my imagining. But yet I had someone saying to me, gratefully, Amy, how's your way working for you? And it wasn't working. I was dying of this disease, putting food down my throat and sticking my finger down my throat afterwards. I needed a new way of thinking. I needed a new way of acting. And I didn't know what that was. And and it's interesting because I have on the side of my big book here after this paragraph, go to page 58, which is, of course, the how it works, which says, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length, and I like to put in there, regardless of what we think, believe, then you are ready to take certain steps. And some of these steps we walked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with food, alcohol, food, cunning, baffling, powerful. And food had me down for the count. My compulsive overeating was killing me. I couldn't control it. I couldn't fix it. So my old ideas had to go. And I had to be willing to go to any lengths to take the actions. In this program, I believe we act our way into a new way of thinking and believing. We don't think our way there because my mind is the liability here. And it was killing me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Amy G. If you got on the line late, We read the first paragraph on page 51, This World of Ours. And if you haven't shared in the past couple of days on this meeting and would like to on this paragraph, please give me your name and last initial. Lisa B. Lisa B. Beth W. Beth, is it? W? Yep, Beth. Yep, Beth W. Beth, gotcha. Craig F. Craig F. Kathy S. Kathy S. As in Sarah? T. Yes. Okay. Somebody T. Sarah T. Sarah T. G is in girl. G. Sarah G. Thanks so much for clarification. Anyone else?
Ann P. Ann P. And I could barely hear another voice trying to get through. Try again. I think somebody's is there. Go ahead. Chris H. Chris with a P short for Priscilla. Oh, Chris H. Thanks for that. Chris H. Gotcha. Okay. Um, we've got Lisa B, Beth W, Craig F, Kathy S, Sarah G, Anne P, Chris H. And there might be time for one more. I don't know. Okay. I guess that'll probably be the right number. Lisa B, go right ahead. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? This is Lisa B. I do hear you, Lisa B. Thank you for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And the line I wanted to share on, yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. So, you know, the the solutions to the material progress had been there all along. The answers to, you know, moving forward had been there all along, but their minds weren't open to it. And the thought that came to my mind today is like with a little child that you play with and they cover their eyes and everything goes dark and they think, you know, the whole world has gone dark. It's just, you know, their work, their world, their universe is dark. And the self-centeredness of an addict, you know, we're all alike. This isn't just me, but I was in the dark and I thought like the whole world, you know, I just didn't know that there was a whole new world out there that had been going on and thriving and working and succeeding. I I just thought the whole world sucked. You know, I thought that people are basically jerks and um, you struggle and then you die. I had no idea that there was being recovered is truly the easier, softer way. And when I met my sponsor, the person that became my guide, I haven't met her in person yet, but we met over the phone through this phone meeting, and I could hear that, that she was like me, but yet she wasn't like me. And then I did what she did. I did what this big book describes that I must do. I did what Bill did, you know, and a whole new world came into view for me, and I saw, oh, my gosh, life really can be good. Even though problems are still there, life can still be good. There is a way to have an existence, you know, in this world and be a success in life. And it had been going on all along. And it reminds me what we read um, a few days ago about, you know, that people of faith did have an answer all along. I would judge them and criticize them and think that they were phony, but they really did have a solution. I, I made a blanket judgment, you know, and, um, I don't know how else, to, uh, there's like an essence that I'm trying to explain and I don't know how to get it into words, but it is amazing. And sometimes I think, gosh, you know, I'm sorry that I waited so long to see this, but I really believe that my higher power is the author and finisher of my faith and that everything happened the way it was meant to happen. But um, anyways, I'm so glad to be recovered and I'm really happy to be in this new world and we don't have to um, bumble around in darkness and blindness and and not experience life and freedom. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa B. Beth W. 
Hi, thanks for calling on me. Um, my name is Beth W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, I have to laugh at myself because I was hoping we were going to read two paragraphs today because I thought, well, this paragraph doesn't have anything to say and we might as well just go on to the next one that has more stuff to it. I don't know. Um, and so I'm super grateful that we stopped and we're on this paragraph. Um, and I've learned a lot listening um, to other sharing this morning. Because um, I skipped over so much of what's in here. Um, and the sentence, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. I, that That just is a great explanation of why I wanted to skip over this paragraph. There was nothing here for me. I had a fixed idea already. And I remember when I first um, showed up at Overeaters Anonymous and A Vision for You and um, began talking with some of the people who made outreach calls to me when I announced myself as a newcomer um, well over a year ago. And um, suggestions were made to me. I didn't have a sponsor yet, but suggestions were made to me about um, what they were doing. And um, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's good for you. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, that probably works for you. And I'll do it my way. And, um, um, you know, I had fixed ideas. I knew what worked for me. And so why did I bother even listening until I was completely broken and said, I don't even understand what you all are talking about. I don't know anything. And because <clears throat> for me, everything that I was hearing felt, felt wrong. I was confused. I, it was, I was, I was fettered, absolutely, and I, I skipped over this paragraph, I skipped over those sentences, I skipped over that word, and I needed um, my, my mind to be broken open again today, and um, so I'm grateful that, you know, every day I show up here, and every day I have a chance to learn something new, and I'll pass. Thanks, Beth W. Craig F. This is Craig, did you call on me? I did. Good morning, Craig. Oh, good morning. I was on mute. Uh, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I, I have to be careful here because I could go off for a long time on this paragraph. And, and the you know, they, they use a couple of examples here about um, uh, scientific progress. And they talk about uh, getting rid of our fixed ideas. You know, um, the uh, the thing is that uh, at the same time that Galileo was getting in so much trouble uh, for suggesting that the Earth wasn't the center of the universe or even the solar system, uh, Johann Kepler was saying the same thing um, and didn't get in trouble. And the reason he didn't raise any trouble is he says he said, okay, the Earth's at the center of the universe. But the math is a lot easier if we say that the sun's at the center. We can build a model easier, but, but okay, you're right about the other. In other words, he said it more politically. He eased people into it, and, and uh, Kepler actually made, us, made the math progress that uh, allowed people to finally accept that the Earth wasn't the center of the universe. Um, in the late 1800s, um, the, a group of the greatest physicists and got together for a meeting in, I think it was like 1898 in, in London, and they declared that we knew everything we were ever going to know about the physical universe. Uh, 
And at the very same time, some guys were running an experiment that proved that the speed of light was the same in every direction uh, that uh, came by accident. And, of course, right after that, Einstein explained all that. Uh, and and it would be easy to think that that was easily accepted, and, and, and it wasn't uh, easily accepted. It wasn't ex- accepted even in the scientific community until, until 20, 25 years later um, uh, widely. And, of course, then it moved pretty quickly. Um, the thing is that uh, no matter how educated our minds are, uh, we're going to hold on to fixed ideas. Um, the the great great scientists today, one of the battles they fight is is letting go of fixed ideas. Uh, we uh, we have those fixed ideas in every facet of life. But what we've what we've learned, if we've made progress in anything, is is how to let go of those, how to try something new. You know, my sponsor, my very first sponsor, said to me one time that just because something was one way yesterday and the day before and every other day leading up to today doesn't mean it has to be that way today or tomorrow or every other day going forward. In other words, change was possible. And, and you know, I had a fixed idea that, that change wasn't possible. Thank you. I was looking for a way to fight who I was instead of to allow God to change who I was. And when I did that, when I finally got to that, things changed. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Kathy S. Um, Good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Kathy S. I am recovering compulsive overeater in the Philadelphia, well, right outside the Philadelphia area. So um, when I think about the fixed ideas I had um, in my family, uh, things that, well, you really didn't go outside to ask for help. And that really kept me from um, getting a lot of help through my life until I got to program and started to trust that, you know, maybe I could ask for help. Um, that I was, that I compartmentalized everything. I was either better than or worse than whoever I was comparing myself to. And um, today that has changed a lot. Um, that I had ideas about, um, you know, if I went on this diet um, and lost weight, somehow I wouldn't gain the back, weight back again. And even though I proved it time and time again that that was wrong, um, I still kept doing it. So keeping these fixed ideas really hampered me. Um, And then I got to OA, and I still had the fixed ideas, and it still took me a couple of years to decide to do it the way that it was suggested instead of the way that I thought would be best. And... um, then in getting more involved with Big Book, the instructions are just really so clear. What am I supposed to do? And it's you know beyond the abstinence, and that is to practice these principles in all my affairs, um, having had a spiritual awakening. And um, I certainly have had that 
and I say it a lot, you know, it's it's easy to be nice to people that you see once a week in a meeting, but where the um, the metal hits the road or whatever that expression is, is here right at home with my husband. Um, we've been married for 21 years now, and um, it's only been in the last couple of years that I really began to realize that I had this ideal of a husband in my mind, and if he didn't act that way, then I was like up in arms. And uh, it really hampered me from having a, a good full relationship with him. And that's come about because of OA and the 12-step programs. Um, you know, I had to get abstinent. Then I had to start to learn how to be nice to people at, at um, the meetings. And then, because I used to think when I read this step, um, the step about 12, um, I only read this first part, you know. So um, thank you all for listening, and um, I pass. Thank you, Kathy S. Sarah G. Sarah, press star one to unmute. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Okay, maybe Sarah can't make it after all. Ann P., are you available? Hi, this is Ann P. Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning, Ann. Okay, good morning. Um, I have not spoken on this call very often. Um, I am still praying to find 100% totally honest abstinence. Um, when I read the passage and it, the phrase painfully slow came up, that I, I took it right back to me. My progress has been so painfully slow in this program. Um, and I'm, I'm still struggling with powerlessness, you know, even if it's at 1%. And still struggling to hang on to that last little bit of ego and humility, you know, and, and find humility. And um, I just um, wanted to thank you all for um, these calls. They're the only thing that has been helping me and getting me at least to this point. And for all your insights and all the calls that I've been making to you, I just wanted to thank you. And um just kind of clean my feet. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ann P. Chris H. Hi, this is Chris H. Um, <clears throat> thanks for letting me share. Um, I Do I dare to say recovered in New Jersey? Uh, I've been listening to this meeting for a while, and most of the time, my BFF, which is what I call my higher power, tells me, Chris, just shut up and listen. But today, I think I'm being told to speak up, so I'll try to do that. I really relate to this paragraph. Um, the thing that a previous share 
person said about uh, progress being painfully s- slow. That certainly applies to me because I decided to act as if I believed in a higher power in 1986. And then in 1988, I uh, found my way into OA. But, oh, my goodness, my progress has been painfully slow. And this, the next sentence, the spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. I have to say, and this may sound heretical, but that was still true even in the 1930s and 40s when the people that I truly believe were inspired by a higher power wrote this material. There was still so much they didn't know that we do know today, thanks to the invention of brain imaging equipment and techniques that were not known back then. And today, what I, if I understand correctly, um, my inability to put down sugary foods once I pick them up is because of addiction and it takes place in a certain spot in the brain. Um, and once, you know, once I consume that addictive food, I'm off and running. And so the only way I can even hope to begin to have any recovery at all is to not consume any of those foods to which I'm addicted. And there's some others, but sugar is, is at the top of the list. But then there are also, I also have some obsessive compulsive food behaviors, and OA points out that we must abstain not only from food, but addictive food, but from food behaviors. And it's only through this meeting, this vision meeting, that that has become clear to me through a couple of just sort of, by the way, type shares that I've heard people say in this meeting, I've come to recognize the food behaviors that surround my addiction. And, oh my goodness, that was was like uh, the veil being lifted when I came to recognize that my food behaviors are sneaking and hiding. That's not the same for everybody else necessarily, but I've done those things since I was a small child, sneak and hide the food. And uh, if nobody knows I ate it, then it it didn't happen. Thanks for letting me share. So today I'm finding new behaviors, um, thanks to my higher power, behaviors that have to do with prayer, with hugging myself, with opening my arms wide to the universe. And so I'm grateful for all of you and for this meeting. Thanks for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Chris H. Is Sarah G. there and available to share? Okay, maybe some other time. We have time for a couple more shares, maybe two to two and a half minutes each. Or one Margaret G. Margaret G., is it? D is in right? dog. Yeah, Margaret dog. G. Margaret yes, G. I, I got your name, Margaret. Same S. Chris okay, Wayne S. Okay, something S. Jane S. Jane S. Okay, great. Margaret D. and Jane S. Margaret D, go right ahead. 
Good morning. This is Margaret D. in Georgia. May I be heard? Yes, you're heard, Margaret D. Margaret D., I did hear you. <laughs> Margaret D., star one to unmute. Running through it. Margaret? Margaret, we actually are having trouble hearing you. Okay, now may I be heard? Now I hear you, Margaret. You know, it's really crazy. If I cannot even unmute a simple cell phone, what makes me think I can run my life? I mean, there's pretty realistic proof right there, um, and that's just two clicks on it or two pushes on a telephone. Anyways, what this um, paragraph brings up for me, I was really amazed when I sat and thought about it, um, that the ancient the ancient Greeks and the Romans were so intelligent that they sat down and formulated and, you know, just by observation and simple testing came up, came up with the basis for mathematics and geometry and many other scientific um, ways of thinking, if you will. And yet nobody in ancient Greek Greece or Rome had a telephone. They're probably like, thank God. Um, but anyways, um, no resentment there. Anyways, um, but they did not have any of the um, inventions that came along like maybe even 200 years later or 300 years later. And I'm I'm told that the reason for this was because of the superstitions that they had, for example, if you know, if you wanted a crop of grain to come in, then you sacrificed a dead chicken or whatever it was, instead of paying attention to the weather or you know, planting the type of grain that would grow best in that area. And so, because their life was wrapped up in pleasing the gods, and also in not displeasing the gods. Their scientific um, or forward movement was almost nothing compared to what it could have been. Um, a lot of the things that were formulated or... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so with that, I pass. Thank you Thanks, so much. Jane S. Jane S. Unmute, star one. <sighs> Jane? Oh, yes. Hi. Thank you. Um, Hi, I'm, I'm afraid we only have about a minute. Go right ahead. Okay. Yes, I'm a, I'm a newcomer. I have having a problem with uh, binging at night and you know, it's it's a waste of, of precious time and I realize I haven't I've been trying to do this alone. So I'm just saying out loud that I I would like phone calls and um you know, I'd I'd like to work with some you know, begin the work. So that's all. Thank you very much. 
Jane S., are you available to leave your number at the end of the next hour? Are you still there? Will do. You'll be able to. That would be great. We'd love to get your number. Could she leave her number now? Because I have to go. I'm afraid not. Sorry. Mm -hmm. We have to stick to the format. Um, so that brings us to the close. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Thursday, August 29th, 2019, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 13,336. That's 13336. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Leon B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning, it's Leon B., grateful, recovered, compulsive, overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your, admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>